We're talking today about friends. It's the last of our sermons from our series, To Be Continued, Lessons from Second Timothy. And yeah, I mean, wow, nine sermons out of Second Timothy. How many did we have? Like 10 or 11 out of First Timothy. And so you're going, well, what about Titus? Well, Titus will probably be sometime next year because we got other things we got to do in the meantime. Next week, we start uh, with four weeks of sermons talking about giving to grow, our vision for our church, and asking you to give above and beyond your tithe. Easter Sunday morning, we start with five sermons on Better Together, our annual theme this year, talking about how God has put us together to complement one another and be the body that is Southview. So we're spending more time on that through the summer. We'll get back to following Jesus, our sermon series through uh, Harmony of the Gospels, through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, then we got Jonah in September, and we got Evangelism in October, and Before you know it, we're at the holidays, right? So, I mean, that's my preaching plan for the rest of the year. You know it now. But where we're at today, this sermon actually had a different title when I first looked at it. And as I went to study it earlier this week, I went, no, man, I can't call it that. I called it something like needing help. Because you see Paul, as we read our scripture in a few minutes, calling out to friends, to the people he's writing for the help that he needs, but it's more than that. It's not just enough to read it and understand it yourself, uh, like I wasn't the first time, that Paul's really talking about relationships. He's talking about people, the great importance of friends. If I were to say to you, and I'm about to, can anybody see the images, hear the song, maybe even sing the song, of the old TV show Cheers. How many of you can recall that, right? That intro. And maybe if Cheers wasn't your thing, maybe you're a little bit younger or something like that, see the images, sing the song of the TV show Friends. Anybody can do that one? Yeah. There are these shows that we know that are about relationships and uh, the ups and the downs of life, but they shared them with humor, and they put them on in 30 minutes at a time, and we watched them when they came on. If we didn't then, we watched them in reruns, and we can still watch them in reruns, and now you can probably binge watch them, uh, you know, through your subscription service. But they remind us about the importance of relationships. You think about it. Not everybody has a personal relationship with God, with, uh, with Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Not everybody has a good, healthy, um, encouraging relationship with their family. But whether they know God personally and whether they have a good relationship with their family or not, most everybody has friends. They have some friends. They may not be the best of friends. But my point is, when we think about relationships, friendship is really foundational. Friendship is something that everyone does have and everyone can have and everyone needs more of. And so when you're thinking about the people in your life, be they friends or family, and their need for a relationship with God, your starting place with them is your relationship with them. The great importance of friends. Let's look at our scripture reading for the month. Our scripture reading for the month reminds us that we need to be about the business of telling others about Jesus, and we do that through our relationships. Let's say it together. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage 
with great patience and careful instruction. 2 Timothy 4.2. As we talked about last week, Paul is speaking specifically to Timothy, his son and the minister, who's a pastor at the church at Ephesus at this point in time, and he tells him to preach. But the instructions here apply to all of us that we preach, that we're always prepared. We correct, rebuke, we encourage, and it tells us how to do it as well with great patience and careful instruction. Now, I forgot to tell you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 through the end of the passage, the chapter and the end of the book, verse 22. And if you'll do so now, and if you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word, we'll read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22. Before I read, two notes. Paul is in prison, and for whatever reason, he knows that he's approaching his martyrdom. He's going to be executed for his faith in Jesus. And he knows that, whether they told him that and he just didn't include it, And he's writing his son in the ministry. Paul was never married to our knowledge, never had children to our knowledge, but he sees Timothy that way. What you're about to read are the last known words of the Apostle Paul. Let's read together. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At My first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with you or be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Pray with me. God, our Father, it's no surprise to us in these last words of his last letter written that Paul focuses on people, friends and even a foe. And this isn't an afterthought. This is Paul being genuine, transparent, human. Though he had much to do in his ministry, He was still a person, and he needed, longed for, the loving support of other people. So, Father, would we be strengthened and challenged and encouraged today, no matter our discouragement, no matter 
what anyone may have done to harm us. And no matter our disappointment in those that are no longer by our side or that we can no longer call friend, we pray that you would encourage us to be the right kind of friends in our loving relationship with others. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends. You can be seated. There are four different aspects of relationships we see today, and those are your main points, and each of them have three application questions for you. So you should leave today, if you've paid attention, feeling more thoroughly prepared to be in relationship with others in a way that glorifies God better than when you walked in today. The first point on your outline is that faithful friends are an encouragement. Faithful friends are an encouragement. You see, I don't have one or two verses side by side, but a couple verses throughout here because Paul does jump around a little bit in what he's saying. Whether he was under stress or whether it was just that he was tying up this letter and he's thinking about this, that, and the other as he goes. Look back at verse 9 with me. He says, Do your best to come to me quickly. He's talking to Timothy, his son in the ministry, like a son in real life. Timothy, who he loves, who was pastoring the church at Ephesus while Paul is imprisoned in Rome. And there's quite a distance between them, and it would take weeks, if not months, to travel. When he says to come quickly and come before winter, later in the passage, it's because the sea was impassable during the winter. From October to April, even, you might not could travel, at least from November to March. And so he's saying, you need to come to me before that time. Verse 11, if you skip down, he says, only Luke is with me. Now, Luke's only mentioned in the New Testament three times, even though we have a book by his name that he wrote. The thing that's distinctive about Luke is he's the only Gentile author of Scripture. And he has written, however, the longest gospel, and he's also written the book of Acts. He's referred to in Colossians 4.14 as the beloved physician, and in Philemon 24 as a fellow worker with Paul. And Paul says, Luke's with me. He's here taking care of me. But then something interesting. Get Mark and bring him. There was a falling out because John Mark, in his immaturity, or for whatever reason, left Paul and his ministry team earlier and went home on an earlier missionary journey. And so at that point, Paul said, nope, I don't have anything else to do with John Mark. You can take him, Barnabas. I'm going to take Timothy. But here, something has changed within Paul, some maturity within John Mark, known only as Mark here, that Paul says, bring him with me because he's helpful to me in my ministry. He's useful. Your first question there says, who do I need to stand by me? Who do I need to stand by me when life is difficult for you, when you feel like you're in the jailhouse, when you feel like things could go a lot better? Said, Timothy, you come be with me. Paul said, bring Mark along with me as well. Who is it that you need? Who is it you want? When you're sick, when you're in trouble, when you're worried. I'll never forget, on, as a teenager... My youth group used to take a choir tour slash mission trip every summer. That was kind of one of our hallmarks, a big deal, right? In the daytime, we would do mission trip type stuff. And in the evening, we would sing uh, like a choir concert at uh, churches. And great people like you came out to see us Yahoo teenagers sing off key, right? It was nice. On one of those trips, I ate something that didn't quite agree with me. 
And I barely made it through the concert, barely made it back to the uh, little motel we were staying in. And then I was in and out of the restroom for the rest of the evening. And it was not pretty. And I'll never forget the horror as a young man when I realized that I didn't have my mama with me. It was my first time to be sick without my mama. There was nobody there to talk nice to me, to put a cold washcloth on the back of my neck as I'm puking into this toilet in this terrible little motel in a small town in Oklahoma. Oh, I cried and I cried. I thought, I want my mama. I mean, literally, I must have been crying because one of my friends came to the door. Aaron, dude, are you okay? Like, you're crying in there. I didn't know I was crying. He's like, why are you crying? I'm like, I can't tell this guy I miss my mama. (laughs) When you're sick, you want somebody to stand by you. When you're in trouble, when you're worried, you want somebody you can talk to. And sometimes it's just their presence you need. The cold washcloth, the soothing words. Which begs the question for you, our second question Who can I stand by? Who is it in your life that needs you? If you're a parent, your kids need you, no matter how old they are. No matter if they act like they need you or not, they need you. They need you to be present. They need you to listen. They need you to give advice as they'll receive it, when they'll receive it. You're their parent. You know when that is. But you have friends and you have coworkers. You have family members beyond your mom and dad or your sibling that they need you. Who can you stand by right now? Has the Holy Spirit even said to you, this is somebody you need to stand by? Look down at verse 21. Verse 21, Paul says, do your best to get here before winter, saying that to Timothy. And he says, Eubulus greets you and so do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. We know a few people named Linus and Claudia, but, you know, Eubulus didn't make the list, nor did Putin's of popular names in America, did they? I don't know why. Maybe it's hard to say, something like that. But these people must have been members of the church of Rome, and they were there with Paul, and they were coming to minister to him regularly. So he did have some people with him, but he had a longing for Timothy and a longing for Mark, those closest to him. Look back at verse 13. He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Between Ephesus and Rome was the town of Troas. Paul knew that Timothy would come and he would go from town to town and church to church. And he would stay the night or two with the people in uh, that church. There weren't uh, hotels that they would expect. It was Christian hospitality. A pastor staying with different homes. You might have had that in your past. You may have it in your future. A beautiful picture of ministering to others. But he says, bring the cloak I left. You're like, Paul, don't you have another cloak? Dude, the guy's in prison. He hasn't had the ability. I guess they don't provide nice blankets and keep it heated in the Roman prison. A cloak is a heavy, uh, we would call it like a poncho thing. One big deal with a hole in it for your head. And winter time is coming. But he also says to him, bring the scrolls and the parchments. He's telling him, bring my papers, scrolls were probably like his handwritten translations of Old Testament books, and his parchments were probably either blank or most likely his legal documents. He knows he's going to be on trial in Rome, and he needs his evidence that he's a Roman citizen and other things. So he's telling Timothy to bring these things that are practical. When you think about standing by somebody, sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's you take them a casserole or something else to their house, not so much that they don't know how to eat or cook or anything anymore, 
But so you can at least share a little bit of time of being with them face to face. Hey, how are you? How can I pray for you? Maybe you need to show up with some equipment and your strong arms to do something. Maybe you need to show up to share a cup of tea or coffee and just listen with your ears and your heart to do something. That's what we need to stand by, folks. Your next point here, your next question is, how can I support my friends? What about you? What about the people in your life right now? What about the person that God, by the Holy Spirit, has already put on your mind that you need to stand by even now? So that's our first point. Faithful friends are an encouragement. Let's move to our second major point, that missing friends lead to heartache. Missing friends lead to heartache. Uh, You've already got that through the fact that he's longing for Timothy. He's longing for Mark. But let's look at verse 11, or excuse me, verse 10. It says, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Um, what does it mean he loved this world? He literally fell in love with this world. Paul uses the word agape, which is most often used for God's love, that otherish love that is God-powered, other-focused, and self-sacrificing. And he says he agaped this world. He's broken Paul's heart. He says that Crescens has gone to Galatia, no reason giving. We, Paul might have sent him on a missionary journey to visit the church there. And Titus has gone to Dalmatia. You know the very next book in your Bible is Titus. Titus was another one of Paul's lieutenants, a young missionary he would send out in different places. And then look down at verse 12. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. It's actually, I am sending, or when you read this, it's called an epistolary errorist. It's the word used in the New Testament when Paul sends a letter by the hand of somebody. He's sending Tychicus to Ephesus. Ephesus, I've got to say that right. For two reasons. One, to deliver the letter. Tychicus is the postman. He's delivered a couple other New Testament letters, uh, like Colossians and Philippians, and I think even, not Philemon, because... Onesimus delivered that. And he's also expecting Tychicus to stay there to be the interim pastor, if you will, while Timothy comes to visit Paul in Rome. So he gave him a job to do, but he left. Or he was going to be without him nonetheless. And so we've got a few questions here. Who would I like to have with me now? Who would I like to have with me now? If in your life you are facing some challenges some heartache, who do you wish could be here? Maybe it's somebody that's passed away and you wish you could sit down and have another conversation with them. Maybe it's somebody that's a long way away and you can talk to them on the telephone, but it's just not the same. You wish you were there with them or they were here with you. Your second question there is not unlike your second question on the first point, who should I reach out to? Who is it that God put on your mind that maybe you need to call them today? Maybe you need to try to FaceTime them or Skype them if they're a long way away just so you can see their face. And you can talk to them face to face even though it's across the internet. It's crazy we can do that, but we can. So why don't we do it, right? That you visit with them face to face. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesphorus. Onisphorus, you got to say that right. Priscilla and Aquila were believers in Jesus that Paul met in Corinth. And um, Paul 
took them with him to Ephesus, and they basically founded the church in Ephesus. And so he's telling Timothy, give greeting to these key members, the founding family of this church. Look at verse 20. And Erastus stayed in Corinth. In other words, he left him there on purpose to pastor the church in Corinth. And I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Well, sometimes sickness happens. Sometimes people can't be there. But who is it that we should reach out to even today? Which leads to your third question on this point. How can I pray for my friends? So when you reach out to somebody, you can have a conversation with them. You should. You should meet their needs if they have any that you can meet. You should. But one thing that we can all do that we maybe don't do enough is pray. I loved it this morning when Myra led us in prayer. The the band kept playing, and we had the words of that song in our mind, but she told us exactly, or at least coached us, pointed us in the right direction, the sort of things we might pray for. And we had the opportunity to pray and thank God. It was a holy moment here. You can do that any time with anybody. It's pretty simple. If somebody tells you something that's on their mind, on their heart, you just say, man, can I pray with you about that real quick? And you don't pray a God, the world, and other things prayer. God, help the people. You just pray about that one thing, right? God, I hope the thing that my friend just told me about, you fill in the blank, whatever that is, that you would give them what they need. Strength, wisdom, power, perseverance, love, hope, forgiveness. Amen. Simple little prayer. You ought to do it with anybody, even people who are not believers in Jesus. Let's say you're out in public and you say to somebody, hey, how are you today? And they actually are honest with you and they say, not too good, you know, and they fill in the blank with something negative that's happening in their life right now. You can just say, hey, man, I don't know you, but God knows you and he loves you. Can I pray with you about that right now? People will literally go like, get out. I mean, I've had people look at me funny and say, um, no, and walk away like this guy's a freak. I've had other people that start crying as soon as I say it. And they say, yes, please, would you pray for me? And then more of their story comes out. And you're going, hey, man, I was going to pray time out. But you wait and let the story come out. And you pray with them. It's something any of us can do with anybody at any time. It doesn't take any money. It just takes a little sensitivity and a little time. When we miss folks, we lead to heartache. But one thing we can do is reach out to people and we can pray with them. Let's move on in your text and your third point on your outline. Your third point is that people in opposition who bring harm. People in opposition bring harm. All of us have them in our life. They may not be like this. In verse 14, Paul says, Alexander the metal worker did did me a great deal of harm. We don't know exactly what he did, but for Paul to name him by name must have been something else. And the fact that Alexander must have been in one of these towns between Ephesus and Rome, that Timothy was going to stay, so Paul includes a specific warning to Timothy in verse 15, be on your guard. In other words, you beware of him as well. All of you have people in your life that you just as soon not see that you may take a detour around. Maybe it's a co-worker, and instead of walking straight to the bathroom, you detour through the cube farm to go around their cube so you don't have to see them. You don't have to talk to them. Maybe it's somebody in the family that when they show up for a family gathering, you kind of stay on the other side of the room. All of us have those folks. 
three questions in this is the first one is who's harmed me? Who's harmed me? We've all been hurt. But how does it make us feel? The second question we should ask ourselves is who should I be on guard against? Because, friends, just because we're believers in Jesus and we're supposed to love people does not mean you should be an eternal doormat for other people to abuse and misuse you. There's appropriate things called boundaries in our modern vernacular where you say, okay, I've forgiven you for what you've done to me, but I'm no longer going to give you the ability to do that again. And you put up some sort of boundary, some sort of wall, and you have a conversation with them, and you may have to have it more than once. And if they don't get it, you just have to say, sorry, we can't have anything to do with one another like this because you keep violating this boundary, and I'm not going to continue to be hurt by you or allow my family to be hurt by you like you've done in the past. The third question, and this one is just a litmus test question. That's, am I certain I'm doing God's work? Sometimes people are mean to believers in Jesus because we're mean to them and we deserve it. Sometimes you're a Christian jerk, right? Don't be a Christian jerk. Don't beat people over the head with the Bible. Don't be holier than thou. Don't be all judgmental, which is an attitude. Be judging, yes, of right and wrong. We should do that, but we should not be judgmental. I know some people are going to react more strongly than others. Some people you can kindly point out something and they're going to freak out on you like, and you're like, whoa, time out. Didn't mean it that way. You're too sensitive. But if you tell them they're too sensitive, they'll flip out about that too. (laughs) Am I certain I'm doing God's work? Maybe the reason people oppose you is because you are being a jerk. So you need to ask that question maybe before you get to the others. Let's come to our fourth and final point. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Look at verse 16, 17, and 18. Paul being transparent here, and he's not complaining, I don't think. He's just telling the score. At my first offense, that would be basically a presentation uh, of you know, documents like a, a, an initial hearing in a legal case. No one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Now, time out. Where, was that before Luke was there? Was that before the folks named in verse 21 who I said had funny names? We don't see in America. Eulabus, Pudens, Linus, Claudia. We see those, and I'm about to fall off over here. Pardon me. If they were there, Paul says they didn't come to my defense. They deserted me. He doesn't want God to hold it against them, and that's good. Go on in verse 17. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles might hear it. We don't know what Paul said to the court here in Rome, but we know every other time he's been in front of a legal counsel or a king or uh, any uh, person like that. He's testified to God's love and he's testified to Jesus and he's shared the gospel with them. And he must have done that here. And he feels like even being in Rome is his ability to preach the gospel that everyone might hear. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. He knows he's going to die. and He's going to heaven. And then A doxology to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, quick aside, we don't know exactly what Paul was charged with. 
extra-biblical sources, um, Tacitus and a guy named Pliny the Younger, which means that there must have been a Pliny the Older, and a few other folks talk about the type of crimes Christians were charged with in the first century. They were charged with a crime of atheism. What? They believe in the one true God except they're charged with atheism? Yes, because they didn't believe the emperor was a god. They were charged with a crime of cannibalism because they ate Jesus' flesh and drank Jesus' blood in the Lord's Supper. They were charged with the crime of hatred to the human race because they were disloyal to Caesar due to their loyalty to Jesus. Kind of sounds like fake news, doesn't it? That there was a misunderstanding, and it just reminds us that don't pay attention to everything you hear on either side of the spectrum from the news or from social media. Do your research and think for yourself. His friends to help him. Your first question is, who is that friend that sticks closer than a brother? You actually find that in Proverbs 18.24. It says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's referring to Jesus. Even back there in Proverbs, John 15.5, Jesus calls his disciples friends. He says, I have called you friends. Jesus is there for us, is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's who Paul is referring to here. But the Lord stood by me at my side, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. No matter what, he's with you. The second question there is, how can he help me now? We've talked about Friends on this life, you might want to be with you when you're experiencing something and how you might be a friend to others when you're experiencing something. But how can you help or how can Jesus help you right now? And the final question is, what should I thank God for? Paul offers this as thanks. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a praise, it's worship, it's thanks that Jesus was with him when no one else was. What about you? This book of 2 Timothy was about Timothy knowing the trust he was given, deposited in him, the gospel. And it was about Timothy standing up against all the challenges of the church at Ephesus And Paul had instructed Timothy to guard that trust, suffer for the gospel, continue in it. That's why our sermon series is called To Be Continued. And proclaim it as good news to everyone. And here we come to the conclusion. The last words of Paul recorded on the page in front of you. And the last words of this sermon. Love others. As Jesus loves you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the challenges of your word and the encouragement of your word. May we be the kind of people encouraging love to others in a way that is uplifting and encouraging. May we know Jesus in such a way that we feel his love that way, no matter others in our life.
We thank you, God, for your love for us. And we pray now that you help us know your love and share your love. Father, we ask if there's anyone here that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, that they might make that decision today and share it with us. There's many of us here that are believers in Jesus who have wandered away and need to confess some sin or sins, that we would do that right now in repentance and come and turn back to you, that we might be in right relationship with you. And if there's anyone here that needs to join this church or make any other decision, they would do that even now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.